0: our main show is about to start so pop those headphones in and let sophia style radio to keep you company.
1: love thy body project home of female empowerment If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com.
0: Enjoy non-stop music from original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio. Find out more on all the W's, sophia and I.co.uk. search under our playlists and artists. Original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio. Your
2: reason, are we the only dreamers ever to come this way?
1: Love Thy Body Project, the show where no topic is off limits. We are here to encourage, empower and support. Today you've got myself, Laura Bland and the very gorgeous Serena Novelli and together we are two-thirds of Love Thy Body Project. Our guest today is the very fantastic Jen Parker and if you are a part of our community then you will know who Jen is because she is a huge part of what we do particularly with our collaboration books. So as well as being a contributing author to book two. Jen is also the person who sits behind the books and does all of our fantastic design work. So she creates our gorgeous covers. She makes sure that all of our stories look fantastic. So that what we're sharing, which are very sensitive topics are done in a really beautiful way to honor the women that put their trust in us to share their stories. So thank you for coming onto the show with us today, Jen. For our listeners that don't know who you are, just tell them a little bit about yourself, but also why it was that you wanted to participate in our collaboration
3: book. That was such a lovely intro. I don't think I really need to say much more. Thank you. Um, So yes, I am Jen Parker. Um, I spend most of my days with my business, Fuzzy Flamingo. So I provide book production services and publishing services to um, people like yourselves, as well as self-publishing authors. And um, I work with publishers as well. So I work with books all day long. The reason I wanted to actually take part in the project is because body confidence is something I have struggled with for a long, long time. And I just wanted to put out there something that I would have wanted to read when I was a teenager going through what I was going through, because seeing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel can be really powerful. And the fact that I've come out the other side fighting and happy and never more comfortable in my own skin, I just wanted to show that it is possible to get there, even if you have zero confidence.
1: Absolutely. And I know that that sharing your story in particular helped you a little bit in terms of family dynamics and your relationship with your with your brother in particular.
3: Yeah. so there
1: were elements with your story that he didn't actually know about, and being able to participate in the book opened up that channel of communication for the two of you, and it wasn't a case of write the book and you know get it published and then throw it at him I know that you sat down before it was actually published you talk things through with him and actually that's kind of it's brought a new dynamic to your to your relationship which I think is just fantastic to know that actually you know sharing your story can be a healing process internally it can give other people in similar situations that that new hope but also it's brought about another level of closeness within your own family as well.
3: Absolutely. And one thing I would say is um, I actually wouldn't have taken part if my mum was still around because she carried a lot of guilt for lots of different things that happened in our childhood when she didn't need to at all. Um, But it was the kind of person she was. And I know if she'd have Uh, found out that I was struggling so much with my body confidence and I was actually tormenting my body by not feeding it when I was growing up, she would have been absolutely devastated. So I knew... If I'd have put this story out before she died, I think it would have been just too too traumatic. So it was kind of, it it just, it was like it was meant to be. So my mum died a couple of years ago um, and this project came after that. So I could release that guilt of putting my story out there and making other people feel bad. um, Because I knew by talking to my brother, he would get it. It was still absolutely terrifying having that conversation. We've never been a massively open family until fairly recently when me and my brother said, right, that's it. We need to talk more. This is ridiculous. And this was part of that. And it was just amazing having that conversation with him, telling him why I wanted to do it and then telling him the story. He was really shocked but most of all supportive and he was like you absolutely have to put this out there we need to stop this happening to other people and he's got friends who have had similar things happen and he was like this has got to stop so he's been massively champion championing the book and the project and it it was just so lovely
1: so let's let's talk then a little bit about your journey then for those that that maybe haven't read the book for me i guess i mean i know you quite well anyway because we're we're quite close in terms of geographically we've met several times we've worked together on lots of projects and for me i kind of feel like there are three elements to your your journey one in terms of chronic illness which changed the direction of where you thought your life would go um, yeah. two being struggling with your, your body confidence and actually, as you say, you know, starving yourself, so eating disorder. Moving into kind of the chapter that you're within now in terms of being much more confident in yourself but also now being mum of, of two gorgeous girls as well and the knowledge, everything that you've been through in the past, shaping the kind of mum that you are and and how you interact with your girls and the things that you're trying to teach them So take us back a little bit in terms of key things that went off in your life in terms of, you know, your diagnosis um, and also getting over your your eating issues as well. Take us through a little bit so that people can understand kind of where you've been and where you are now.
3: Absolutely. So um, it started with the eating, actually. There were a lot of things going on in personal and family life and it wasn't to do with losing weight initially Um, for me that felt like a kind of happy after but I didn't think oh I need to lose weight I I carried quite a lot of puppy fat but that's all it was I wasn't overweight I just had a bit of a tummy and I was sporty so I had chunky thighs but for me At the age of about 11, it wasn't to do with the weight primarily. Um, I had very slim friends and I always knew that I was bigger than them, but it wasn't a massive issue for me at that point for me it was to do with the control element and I only really realized that fairly recently looking back um at the time I didn't know why I was doing it it was just something that I wanted to do and it's something that made me feel good so I started skipping my breakfast and then it progressed to skipping my lunch and it would be a challenge for me to see if I could get to dinner time without having eaten anything and then it got to the point where I was about 14 or 15 and I got a tv in my own bedroom and it got to the point where I found ways to skip my dinner by eating it pretending to eat it in my bedroom and hiding it in my wardrobe my room stank sometimes because I'd have to sneak out the carrier bags full of food at some point without anyone seeing and sometimes there wasn't an opportunity for a few days so it was really horrible um and I looking back I can't believe I I did it because it just doesn't seem like me either it's not really like my personality um but I do like a challenge and I am incredibly stubborn so I suppose that part of it may be shone through um but it got to the point where I was losing weight and people started to notice because it started fairly slowly with just skipping the occasional thing by the time it got to the point where I really wasn't eating for very long periods that was when the weight started to come off so it was probably when I was 15 or 16 it started to get noticeable I was still wearing the same size clothes because I didn't want my mom to worry by me suddenly starting to buy smaller clothes I was still wearing the same school uniform just tucking it in I started to pin my trousers with safety pins because they were falling down I had a couple of comments from friends saying are you all right you look like you've lost some weight and I'd just go oh yeah I'm fine and just brush it off and that'd be it nobody really asked seriously or I just brushed them off too quickly so they couldn't ask further questions um because I didn't want it to be an issue it wasn't like I wanted any attention for it um but then when I was 17 I realized it was becoming an actual problem um because I'd I'd been going out and drinking as we did in our generation went out underage um partying and alcohol was obviously going straight to my head because I wasn't eating anything so I'd have a drink be sick then have a drink and carry on and it was like a horrible cycle in throughout the evening but it was fairly it just it seemed normal to me um but i could start to see that it was becoming an issue so there was it was my 17th birthday we went out on a night out and when we were all snuggled in bed afterwards having a sleepover um it just came up in conversation and it turned out my friend who was lying next to me was having the same problems and so we both made a pact to stop it and to help each other through and we just started eating again gradually just eating more and more and it was basically just breaking a habit so it's not like I sought I didn't seek any professional help no doctors got involved it was just me and my friend got each other through it and got back to normal eating again so that kind of was the end of that that chapter but it's at that point that I then started really having body confidence issues because all of a sudden I was having to eat again that My weight started to change a bit, but not that much because I started to exercise more instead. I just wasn't happy, just really wasn't happy with my body. And I was always trying to hide it and trying to hide away, always thought I was overweight. The person I saw in the mirror at that point was huge and I wasn't at all. I was a size 10, um, slim, All I could see was an overweight person and I had to do something about it, um, which just seems ridiculous. And then throughout university, I I exercised a lot and got fit and healthy and felt good in myself, but still could only see this overweight person in the mirror. And then when I went travelling after university and before starting my career, that was then when the chronic illness diagnosis happened um I had lots of joints swelling up and had done for quite a while um but my fingers swelled up to the point where I couldn't use my right hand um and I thought hmm, I need to actually do something about this so when we landed in Australia went to the GP who took one look at my fingers and said I know what it is and you're not going to like it and he sent me to the rheumatologist who then diagnosed me with um types of arthritis. So I have ankylosing spondylitis, which is inflammation of the spine and the pelvis. I have psoriatic arthritis, which is basically all my other joints, um, plus the skin condition, psoriasis. Um, And I was later diagnosed with fibromyalgia as well, which is a similar problem, but in my muscles. So that then changed everything because it halted the career I wanted to, to go into. I wanted to go into the police and I wasn't even allowed to apply. But then they also put me on a really long course of steroids while the other medication kicked in. And the steroids for me made me so angry they made me a horrible horrible person and I was living with my now husband and his best friend in Australia at the time and they couldn't deal with it their way to deal with it was to ply me full of food because it turned out carbs made me calm down so when I was feeling irrationally angry because the steroids had just made my blood boil um crisps and takeaways and all of the things you should made me feel better and so I put on two stone in in the course of four weeks it was insane that was how much I was eating and just eight and eight and eight my body weight just fluctuated so much over the next few years because before I got back from traveling I sorted my weight out and I was all right um but every time I went back on steroids my weight would just inflate again and then it got to the point where it just steadily steadily started to creep up until I did end up overweight for my size. It kind of hit me when I had my first midwife appointment um, when I was pregnant with my first baby because I got on the scales and she had to have a conversation with colleagues to discuss whether they should treat me as just overweight or obese because I was absolutely on the borderline. And that for me was a huge slap in the face because weirdly having only seen an overweight person in in the mirror, I was still seeing that same person. So the person I was seeing in the mirror wasn't getting bigger. I was wearing stretchier clothes to kind of fool myself into thinking I was still the same clothes size when I definitely wasn't, Uh, but I just couldn't, I couldn't see it. And looking back at photos, I'm like, oh yeah. How could I not see that? It's weird. So then I wanted to do something about it. So I wanted to get healthy, not necessarily losing weight for aesthetic reasons, I felt guilty carrying my first child and being overweight. I remember going for my first scan and thinking, will they even be able to see the baby? It was that, those thoughts were running through my head. And I was like, I don't want my children to grow up in an unhealthy lifestyle that I was living in. So I wanted to change it. So I changed my lifestyle. I lost four stone in seven months after my eldest was born. But... (laughs) I still had body confidence issues and it was ridiculous. I was back to the my what I would call my normal weight. Um, I was back to being a size 10, um, really happy with my clothes size, but everywhere I looked, I was just like, oh, there's loose skin on my tummy. I'd had a C-section and the overhang was just loose. I'd breastfed my eldest and so my boobs were d- different and I, I just couldn't couldn't deal with it I felt horrible um, and that was weirdly when I came across Anna part of the Love Thy Body project um, because she wrote a book called Stretched which was about um, postpartum body confidence and it just seemed to come at the perfect time so I worked on that book with her I edited it and designed it and it it just completely changed my perspective. And then within weeks of that book, I also worked on another body confidence coach's book. And between them, those two books just made me think, why why am I looking at myself like this? Um, and one thing in particular that Anna said was, if you said what you're saying to yourself, to your children, would it be acceptable? I was like, absolutely not. Why is it acceptable for me to talk to myself in that way? that is when it changed and that just changed the course of my thinking to make me want to improve my mental health and my confidence and it but it's been very enjoyable at the same time Mm
1: -hmm. I think there's so many things that we could touch on there and talk about but I think I, I love the final point because in terms of you know if you if you spoke to your children that way is that an acceptable way to treat them no it's not would you contemplate speaking to your best friend that way no you probably wouldn't so why do you speak to yourself in that way yeah. with all those negative words and that hatred and that dislike and everything and it is about a shift in perception and understanding that actually you're worthy of love and you're worthy of respect and you're worthy of all the things that you want in life but you have to give them to yourself as well as expecting other people to respect you and love you so sometimes it has to start within before we can get it from from somewhere else. But just going back to your 17th birthday, so the, the kind of the turning point within your, your eating habits at that point. So you and your friend kind of made a pact to, to support each other, mm-hmm. to get back into normal eating and things. What would you say to someone else who might find themselves in a similar position? Someone else that's maybe trying to have control of something in their life, or that is trying to change the way they look because they don't feel good enough or lovable or thin enough or whatever it might be, what kind of piece of advice would you offer them to help them get out of that circle?
3: The the first step is talking. And that's what I hadn't done. My 17th birthday was the first time I told anybody what I was doing. And the fact that that was the beginning of me stopping doing it just shows how powerful talking is. It obviously needs to be someone you trust. Um, people won't judge you. I think that is the the reason why I hadn't told anybody because A, I didn't want anybody to make me stop because I didn't want to stop at the time. You have to be ready to do it. It's like, it's, it's like an addiction. Um, you have to be the one who's going to stop it. Someone can't force you to stop. That's not going to work. So you have to be ready. When you're ready, talk to someone. It's just the most powerful first step.
1: Brilliant. So on that note, we are going to take a short break for some music, but don't go away. We will be back very soon and we'll be continuing to talk to Jem. If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com.
0: Enjoy non-stop music from original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio. Find out more on all the W's, sophiaandi.co.uk, search under our playlists and artists.
4: just got me lost and even more alone Then you came and even since Can't get you off my head The off of my phone Silhouette in the 8-way glow Little coaster moving in slow Whispering words I already know Tonight I don't wanna ever get home so I love you crazy My breath away from me so easily. Can't walk away or run. It's honestly a mystery. Watch it to me. Silhouette in the eight way glow. Little closer moving and so whispering words. I already know. Tonight I don't wanna ever get home.
1: you're listening to love thy body project with myself Laura bland the gorgeous serena novelli and our guest jen parker if you're only just tuning in then do remember that the show will go live on the podcast so if you want to go back and listen to the start then please catch up with it at a later date jen has been talking to us and sharing her tips around her journey through um Trying to create control over something in her life, which essentially led to her stopping eating a lot of the time and the emotional impact of that as well. And then she shared a few tips on if you are going through something similar yourself, how to start talking about that and changing it. We are the three of us. We're all mums. Serena is mentor. She's got five kids. Jen (laughs) is a little step behind that with two young girls. And then I'm the sensible one here with just. So that's that's my play on it anyway. So I know that from my point of view, I definitely talk about things differently in our house to the way things were talked about when I was growing up. So I'm conscious of the kind of words that I use. I'm conscious of how I talk about myself. So like if I'm trying clothes on or if I'm, you know, if I put something on and then I get changed out of it because I don't like the way it looks or feels, or it's not you know, it's not the right outfit for that day or something. I'm conscious of not talking about, or it makes me feel fat or I look fat or, you know, those kinds of things. And I'm, I'm a little bit conscious of trying not to talk about being on a diet. Just those kinds of things that essentially can lead to negative connotations and negative connections in the future. And I know that that is a different approach to what I had in the house when I was growing up. And it's a very conscious decision to do things differently and to have different kinds of conversations and understanding more now with with your journey, Jen, and kind of that, that roller coaster that you were on, essentially, because you lost a lot of weight. You were having, you know, you, you then had to kind of ease yourself back into food, but equally then the diagnosis and the steroids that you were on, you ended up on the other side of the seesaw. And you put on a lot of weight and quite quickly as well. So you've kind of seen both sides of of things in terms of, you know, weight loss to a severe level and then rapid weight gain as well. So I'm assuming that those experiences will have coloured your approach in terms of now raising two young girls. Because although we know, we absolutely know that boys also struggle with body image and with eating disorders that's not something that I can talk about because I don't have that experience Serena I know obviously you've got boys as well as girls so maybe that's something that you can touch on a little bit in terms of you know how you parent boys as well but I'd love to know a little bit Jen in terms of you know how how do you create that balance now how do you not let your experiences be a negative impact on how you raise your girls or how you communicate and talk to them um
3: it's it is tricky and it is something that I am really conscious of and what what you said really resonated me is a lot to do with language um for me when I gained the weight it was a lot to do with not being able to exercise in the same way that I used to because the arthritis stopped me doing that whereas before at university if I'd had a heavy night out, drank a lot of alcohol or had a takeaway, I would just work out and I knew I could burn the calories that way. Um, But that's still not necessarily healthy. So I knew that, um, I know now that still wasn't good for my arteries and things like that, still having that amount of fat. For me, it's all about balance. Um, I don't want to deprive my kids of anything, but I don't want to deprive myself of anything because I know when I start doing that, so I I used to yo-yo diet a lot, and I always found that if I deprived myself of something, every time I didn't allow myself to have certain foods or enough food, I fell off the wagon because I get hungry to the point of being angry because I get hungry really easily. Um, and then I'd fall off the wagon and then punish myself for falling off the wagon by eating. And then I'd end up bigger than I was before. And so dieting never worked for me. So for me, it had to be a change of lifestyle. So I don't Uh, nothing's off the table. It's just in moderation. So if I have a big fatty takeaway, um, the rest of the week is going to be a lot more healthy and in more balance. Um, And that's what I'm trying to instill in my girls as well. We talk a lot about energy and foods and why we need different foods to do different things for our bodies, talking about moderation and how we need to make sure we have enough of the right things to get our body to work in the right way. To balance out the things that are not quite so good for us so that's that's how we do it in in our house
1: yeah and I think that's key isn't it it is about moderation every family is different every child is different at the end of the day if everyone's healthy happy and thriving then you know we go with what works at the time don't we and we're, we're quite similar in terms of you know when you're talking there about talking about foods with energy and what it does for your body so I talk to Callie quite often about food that is really yummy and really healthy and her body breaks it down and it helps her to grow and it helps her to get taller and all those kinds of things and how we should eat lots of those and then we talk about food that is really yummy but isn't as useful for our body and then that's why we you know essentially why we go toilet because we enjoy eating it but our body doesn't necessarily use it for anything so those are the ones that we eat a little bit less often And then we talk about the fact that because we eat those a little bit less often, we get to enjoy them more when we do have them, because it's an everyday staple. It's not something that is just a given all of the time. So it is about kind of moderation. And it is about, you know, we're trying to encourage choice. And I think you guys will probably have seen this with your own children. But when children are young, they're very good at self moderation. So I could give perhaps not as much now so Callie's almost nine but when she was younger I could give her a chocolate bar or something or a packet of sweets and she would eat part of it or a few of them and then she would just say I've had enough and she would put the rest in the fridge and it wasn't ever that kind of oh now it's open I must finish it and that's the kind of the habit that we form as we grow older that's kind of the habit that we get into that Ends up where we we overeat because we feel like we've got to have it all, and then we end up like feeling sick or bloated or really tired. I think it's right, though, isn't it? You know, it's when we're looking at you know life overall, it's about a lifestyle and balance. Doesn't mean that every day is balanced. Balance means that over the week or over the course of a fortnight or a month, you've created balance. So balance in terms of eating things that are healthy, things that are good for your gut, things that will support your mental health. It's about getting up and moving, you know, more than your norm, more than your normal Mm -hmm. level of activity, getting up and moving and, and doing that in a way that you enjoy and that you want to do. And it creates that overall lifestyle where you can choose to have those tweaks I'm not a fan of any kind of elimination or restriction diet because like you were saying Jen as soon as you tell yourself that you can't have something that is the only thing you can think about and it's the only thing that you want there are obviously times where for for medical and health reasons where you might need to go through that restriction process of course you need to try and stop that but when it comes to you know your average kind of lifestyle choice it's Balance and moderation, and viewing things as—and I hate the word when people talk about food and diets and things. I hate the word "cheat" when people talk about cheat meals. Yeah, I find I really don't like that because I find that when you when you think about cheat, all it is is negative. So you're cheating the system, or you're cheating yourself, or you're doing something bad. You're doing something wrong. So I don't like that because I think it just makes you think of loads of negative things straight away. Whereas if there's Food that you really like or a glass of wine or two that you really want and you can view that as something that you're having as a treat not as a cheat but as a treat because it's nice and you want to enjoy it then go for it absolutely
3: yeah and I think that's why you've got to find something that works for you as well so if I so I found uh, because I couldn't exercise so much I had to it had to do with my lifestyle it had to be to do with the food I was consuming um I still moderate things and it 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 just helps me to maintain my healthy lifestyle and that's what I need especially for my joints being healthy and having a healthy weight because it is better for me um but it's just finding the way that works for you
1: absolutely definitely Mm -hmm. so Serena what is it like then in terms of raising boys and raising girls even though we kind of we stereotype things don't we with boys and girls and we We kind of, we see it in terms of what colours clothes are and, you know, what colours should you paint the nursery and what kind of hairstyles should boys have versus what kind of hairstyles should little girls have. And, you know, you buy boys diggers and trucks and cars and you go buy girls princess dresses and and that kind of thing. It's very, there is a lot of stereotyping. But again, when kids are little, they just, they self-navigate and they play with whatever they fancy playing with have you seen or have you had different conversations with your boys versus your girls when it comes to kind of body confidence or food or how they dress or you know how they interact with other people or has it actually just been a different approach because every child is different but it's not been specific to boys versus girls
0: yeah so my children so obviously i've got five in at all completely different ages Um, Nathan being my first I had to really work with him on how I did things so he went through a phase when he was in his mid-teens of where he thought he might want to be a girl and so we had to go through this process of I would never stop him from being what he wanted to be so it was about supporting him in that process and 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 for me it was it it was a little because it's not something that I'd really seen as as a youngster but also, I wanted him to be happy. So we went through a process and and he's come out the other side of it. It was it was just a phase, but it was just talking openly and honestly. And the fact that he could come to me and speak to me about it and say, mum, this is what I'm feeling. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to wear. Made me feel like I must've done a good job growing up. Now my other two boys are younger now. they're And they've got two sisters that they predominantly grown up with. Their brother had moved out. So they've had the two girls. And my girls are very pro being who you want to be. They're LGBTQ, you know, they love it all. They've got their, their pronouns by their names on all their Instagrams and, and, and their TikToks. And they're all about being who you want to be and it not being gender related. And if you want to dress up this way, you can dress up this way. And so my boys have automatically grown up in that kind of way. Brilliant.
1: I love that. And I think that's so important, isn't it, in terms of just that Nathan was willing and able to just come and have that conversation because there are so many people that don't have those kinds of relationships with their parents or their guardians you know whoever's they're supporting them on a day-to-day basis you know there's there's an element of fear in terms of what a reaction might be and I guess that might have been the same for yourself when you were struggling with you know your eating Mm -hmm. in terms of having that conversation it was that fear of what will happen next if I talk to someone or I admit that there's something going on, what happens next? What will they say? How will they react? Will they look at me differently? Will they treat me differently?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, particularly with my mum, I could talk to my mum about anything. We were so close. That was probably the most hurtful thing when I came out the other side and, and realised I'd never talked to her about this. Um, and I think the reason I didn't was because I didn't want to hurt her. She would blame herself because that's the kind of person that she was. She would think it was all her fault. And it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't anything to do with her. It was my choice. It was nobody's fault. It was just something that that happened. But I know other people who wouldn't have spoken to their parents for fear of retribution, like being punished for what they were doing or just not understanding at all. Whereas my mum would have totally understood, but those conversations are so important. That's what I want to instill in my girls as well let's just talk about this and it can be really helpful
1: yeah and you're right because sometimes it is we're too easy to 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 react or you know when children are younger we're trying to get things done we're trying to move from one thing to the next aren't we whether it's get them up and dressed and off to nursery or school or things are planned out we might have those relaxed days but even when you have in one of those like a chilled out relaxed day at home in your head you've kind of got that plan of right well know we're gonna get up we're gonna have a lazy morning we're gonna watch a film we might do a bit of painting you know less of go here be there for a set time achieve this target and and that kind of thing you've still almost as an adult you've created that agenda in your mind Mm -hmm. sometimes we're a little bit quick to try and just stay on track and stick to that and we it gets far too easy to stop listening take the time and listen and keep that communication going because that's when we get to that point when you've got the older children like with Nathan and they're going through something they actually feel that they can come and they will be heard if we've always created that space where we'll stop and we'll listen and we'll put our phone down or we'll put our pen down or we'll turn and we'll focus and we'll look at our children that is what creates that relationship isn't it that trust
0: And one of the things that I feel is really important when you're having those conversations is that not everybody's going to get you, but that's okay. It's important to have those conversations that not everybody's going to get your personality. Not everybody's going to understand why you want to dress that way. But as long as you feel comfortable in how you're dressed, as long as you feel good in the clothes that you're wearing, that is all that matters. Nothing else matters as long as you are feeling good. Because when you're feeling good about yourself, that's when you shine your best and that's how you can support and help other people.
1: It's what it's all about though, isn't it? It's, saying it's like you say, it's not being too pushy, but it's also setting the right kinds of boundaries and then it's still encouraging that individuality. So we're going to take another quick break for some music. Don't go away and we will be back very shortly. If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com.
0: Original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio.
5: Let's go back to picking, back to playing. These are we come down here praying. All the times that you said saying, all the times that I was let's waiting. Go back, let's go. go back. Let's go back to picking, back to playing. Spending most of your time waiting out the cons and out the pros and messed up life things you don't know. We'll go back.
1: Back. you're listening to Love Thy Body Project with myself Laura Bland and the gorgeous Serena Novelli and our guest today Jen Parker. Um, we've been talking about all kinds of different things around kind of body confidence, self-love, how we encourage communication with our children and support their kind of choices and encourage them to just remain as individuals really and not feel like they need to conform and look the same way that everybody else looks. And a key part of um, all three of our journeys really is, has been around self-love and body confidence and the different elements of our journeys. And the thing with self-love is that it's not, and I'll, I'll use the phrase, it's not money in the bank. It doesn't stay there. You don't do something once and then that is it. Self-love is the kind of thing that it, it can come and it can go and that can depend on how you're treating yourself. The respect that you're showing yourself, the way you allow other people to treat you as well, and it's an ongoing journey. It's something that you develop and you you keep working on. And there are things that you can do within that journey that help you to maintain a, a higher level of self-love and self-respect with yourself, Jen. Obviously, you've been through that roller coaster in terms of you know eating disorder diagnosis of chronic illness two pregnancies which let's face it wreck your body in different ways mm-hmm. each year. <laughs> um, and then coming through to, to understanding yourself in different ways and going on that journey of self-love and self-respect so what is it that you do kind of on a you know a daily weekly sort of basis to help you stay on track and maintain those levels and not just you know one hit wonder plummet back down and go back to all that negativity that you might have felt before
3: yeah it would be so easy to go straight back down there and absolutely true what you say it is something you need to keep on working on so I keep I make sure I'm staying healthy so it's not putting too much pressure on my joints but that's all part of what I do to keep myself um, healthy both physically and mentally so but also just keeping on um, being part of communities like yours is just such a boost when you see what other people are doing when you see other people going through struggles and that you're able to help them um, but also that you have somewhere to go where you can say if you're having a struggle and you can get help to sort that out it's just invaluable and I think community is such a big part of it being able to keep talking the other thing is with my kids, because I don't want them to have body hangups like I did. Um, I want to be open and honest with them. So um, I've got a bit of a wobbly tummy. Um, even at my slimmest, I've had two C-sections. So there's always going to be a little bit of something there. My youngest loves to blow raspberries. And so she lifts up my top and she blows raspberries. And she's now, she's two. So she's exploring, finding out what different bodies looks, look like. Um, made us absolutely howl with laughter when she lifted my husband's top and then carried on lifting it and went, (laughs) boobies! And we just fell about laughing. But that's what she's doing at the moment. And just having that sense of humour about it, not feeling like, oh my goodness, no, don't lift up my top. You can't possibly see my tummy. Being open that she can look at how I look and if I I know if I'm confident it will hopefully help her to be confident with how she looks because we're all different they can see I look totally different to how they look but I don't want it to be a problem
1: yeah and I think that's really important because kids pick up so much just from what they hear and what they see and then they mimic behaviors so if you can just be quite quite open not embarrassed not shy about your own body you know I mean there's nothing wrong with the human body there's nothing embarrassing to be embarrassed about we've all got you know all men have got similar bits all women have got similar bits it's just life isn't it, it is the human mm-hmm. body so I think you're right in terms of just being open and trying not to be embarrassed in front of children just encourages them to then be able to be to be open as well and not be embarrassed about their own bodies as they start to to grow and develop and that's you know that's great isn't it because that's what we want mm-hmm. the whole idea about everything that we're doing so everything that we do within Love Thy Body Project and any independent projects that are going on, it's all about helping people that are, are in that position where they're already struggling for some reason, but that then they can pay that forward. And that actually the next generation, there are fewer people that struggle and the generation after that, there are fewer people that struggle. So that we have fewer people going through those issues of self-loathing, self-hatred, poor, you know, morale, poor confidence, all those kinds of, you know, self-harming all that kind of stuff the more that we can do now to support each other and the more that we can then pay forward to support you know our children and then their children the more we're going to start to 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 eradicate those kinds of things because we're not creating that pressure on each other keep communication open and just be as relaxed about different things as you can be where can people find you Jen if they want to connect with you to either learn a little bit more about your journey or if we've got some budding authors listening who want to know how you can help with their book projects where is the best place for people to connect
3: quite a few different social media platforms but the two main ones are Facebook and Instagram I'm at fuzzy flamingo design on both or you can have a look at my website it's fuzzyflamingo.co.uk
1: So there you go. So Jen Parker, our fantastic guest today. If you need to check out her story, she is in Love Thy Body Real Life Stories, Volume 2, which you can get on Amazon. And if you want to connect with Jen directly, obviously go track her down on the social medias. And if you're not part of the Love Thy Body Project community, then get yourself over to Facebook, give us a search and join the group for more support with your journey. And we will be back again next week with another show. Thank you very much. If you'd like to get in touch or find out how you can work with us, then just head on over to lovethybodyproject.com.
0: Thanks for
5: listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.